Hello and welcome to episode 202 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode marks the beginning of season 5. And when I give you a season of the podcast, it's not 10 episodes or 12, something cute like that. No, no, no. This is a weekly show for people living with diabetes. You are going to feel connected, supported, and you're going to leave here every week with a new tool to help you do better. All right, get your headphones on just the way you like them. Get comfortable. And let's get another season of Being Bold with Insulin underway. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored today by Dexcom, makers of the G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, and of course by Omnipod, the tubeless insulin pump that my daughter has been wearing for over a decade. You can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, or find links at juiceboxpodcast.com or in the show notes of your podcast player to find out more. Today we're speaking with Mike. Mike reached out when I was looking for people on multiple daily injections to be on the show, but it turns out he's actually doing that inhalable in some Afreza, Afreza, I don't know what they call it, but I didn't find that out until a little later in the episode. This episode's just a good conversation. It's a great way to start the new year. I think you're really going to like Mike. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan. My name is Mike Joyce. I was diagnosed with diabetes on Groundhog's Day, 1996, so about 22 years. And um, I use MDI. I don't use a pump. I used a pump for 10 years and I don't use one anymore. So when you said that you needed some pe- someone to talk about having success with MDI, I reached out to you. That's why we're, we're talking today. The movie Groundhog Day came out in 93, so you just missed by three years <laughs> an actual perfect thing. Um, yeah, as, as imperfect. Well, I've been I've been reliving the uh, the day for, <laughs> for the last 22 years. <laughs> there had to have been some irony. Somebody in the hospital must have looked at you and said, "This is gonna follow you around for a while." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in 96, how old were you? I'm sorry. I was nine years old. Oh, okay. Well, you didn't really see the, the humor in it then, I would imagine. Uh. Uh, no, I, I tried to. I, I, did, I had seen that movie, okay. um, at least with my parents. So I, I, I grew up with, we, we joked about it in the family for, for the whole time. So you, at nine years old in 96, are diagnosed. That's pump time. People talked about pumps with you, right? Um. I, I, they may have been discussed. Um, my first endo wasn't very keen on pumps, mm-hmm. especially with really active children, um, which I don't know. He was, he was really great when I was first diagnosed and, uh, we had to end up changing, um, endos when I was ready for a pump. I wasn't, I didn't really like the idea of something attached to me, right. um, initially, and then I went to diabetes camp and saw people with pumps and I was like, oh my God, I have to have one. Um, and so I got one 
right around 99, 2000. Okay. I know I had it going into high school. Um, and I know I tried it in middle school. Like I demoed mm-hmm. the five of. I know I lost you there. Mike. Um, you demoed the what? I'm sorry. You cut out. Sorry. I, no. I would get a phone call. Oh, um, I demoed the 507 C in, in eighth grade. And then by high school, I was on the 508 mini med. What's the uh, last pump. time you were pumping? What what year was the last time you had one? I went off the pump in 2010. Okay. So they're fairly it's inter- it's very the whole thing's incredibly interesting because I find that no matter where you fall into something like that's your that's sort of your, you know, obviously your beginning of your understanding of it. And if somebody if you come in with a doctor who's like you don't want to pump or if you have a doctor who's like you definitely want to pump, you, you know like it's you kind of get swept up in in what's around you a little bit plus the right. te- plus the technology at this point i mean when you stopped using a pump are any of them still available i wouldn't even know but but it, it, they've probably mostly changed over by now yeah they've they've changed quite a bit i think since 2000 i, I was using the paradigm in 2010 when i went off the pump and i mainly went off because i graduated college during the recession and i couldn't find a job with benefits that would cover a pump <laughs> that was crazy george bush took your pump <laughs> is that what you're saying uh yeah something like that <laughs> listen we don't usually find the title of the episode this quickly uh mike <laughs> but george bush took my insulin pump is probably how this one's gonna roll out just in case yeah. you were wondering no so that's interesting so you get out of college you're on your own you're like a big you know an adult but an adult with a bunch of bills and probably not a great job to start out with and it yeah. just wasn't in the cards for you to be able to afford that it wasn't when I left Pennsylvania. I went to college in Pennsylvania, and they have some really great um, Medicaid available to um, to people with with diabetes that are working. They have like a workers with disability sort of Medicaid program, and I that was incredible. Like I've never had insurance like that, and probably will never have it again. But it was like three dollar copays for just about everything, and I paid like twenty five dollars a month for the insurance. It was. Yeah. That's I just crazy. had to like submit pay stubs to show that I was working at least 25 hours a week. You're like, look at me. I'm the working poor trying to make my way <laughs> in the world. Give me $3 prescriptions. By the way, Pennsylvania, a commonwealth. So um, not, a, not a state, actually. They have, their own, yeah. they have their own rules. Apparently, they make some good ones uh, 10 years ago. So what did you move? You moved for a job at some point? I moved for um, – to get out to get out of the college town that I was kind of stuck in, my okay. parents had moved down to Florida while I was in college, and I didn't really want to do that. So my girlfriend at the time was moving to work on a farm for like a summer in Montana, and I looked at her when she told me this. I was like, "You're not coming back, are you?" <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, "I'm coming too." And so we went to montana um and i found a job at like a grocery store cooking and kind of worked as a like worked there cooking and ski bummed for um three years were you Uh, you two together for those three years yes she must Um, have been a heck of a girl you chased her to montana that's uh i think that's outside of the where i might 
relocate to. So that that's uh that's pretty impressive. I think that says a lot for her is what I'm saying. Because she you were she's like I'm leaving. I'm going to a big flat state with mountains and it's cold and you're like I'll come. Don't worry. It's fine with me. By the way, too, your parents abandoned you while you were in college. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way, but they they were like, I, "Hey, I've, <laughs> I've I've had some some up and downs about it, but it now that I'm I'm now back in Florida yeah. and um it's really grown on me. It's becoming home and at the time i was a bit resentful and <laughs> disappointed but now i'm yeah it's good how much of that was wrapped around i don't i didn't mean to turn this into an indictment of your parents who i'm sure are lovely people <laughs> but um how, how much of that was wrapped around the diabetes like how much of it did you just feel like wow you guys said the minute i moved out of the house you guys just took off or well, was think, it about like I, i'm alone i don't really know what i'm doing very as much as other people might i think that age group is just awful to have diabetes just in general, okay. like your late teens, twenties, as you, you're forced to change to from your pediatric endocrinologist to some adult endocrinologist that really doesn't, isn't really good with type one diabetes necessarily. And, and doesn't pretend to like you as much when you come into the office. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and I don't pretend to be, too happy to see him right. or her at at that point either because I'm think I have it all figured out and I want help but I don't want help at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that age group was pretty difficult. Uh, I at least had a good support system from growing up, going to camp and like working at that camp through high school. Yeah. Um, and so like I always and and Facebook came out when I was in college. So like. I at least had people that I could reach out to in the type one community. You started finding like, so it wasn't just camp anymore where you could find people, you could find people online. The camp sounds like it was really impactful for you in a number of ways. Like it was the really good kind of peer pressure. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You, camp camp. I, I went to camp six months after diagnosis. Um, and I don't know if my mom knew what she was doing if she just needed a break, uh, I'm sure it was a mix of all of it. Um, but it was the best thing that, that could have happened to me that early, um, to just see that I wasn't the only person with diabetes. Cause yeah, when you said my went to camp right after diagnosis, I thought, yeah, cause your parents took off to somewhere warm probably for a couple of weeks. <laughs> they were like, Hey Mike, this is going to be really good for you or it won't. We don't really care. Goodbye. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we're going somewhere warm and hanging out. No, I hear what you're saying. Like, especially because if you're, if you, I was completely overwhelmed. It would have been fantastic if somebody would have like taken me out of the, for a week, you know what I mean? Two yeah. weeks. Um, it would have been good for Arden was much younger. So I don't think, you know, I couldn't have sent my two year old to camp, but I mean, it would have been great if somebody would have had her for a little bit. So I could have pulled my, um, pulled my, my head together, I guess. You know, Arden was diagnosed on vacation. And after she got out of the hospital, we had one more day left of this vacation. And I remember my wife saying, like, you know, what, what would help you the most when we get home? Because there was this horrible moment, like four or five days into the diagnosis, where we were sitting at this carb counting class. And there must have been, I think, eight families in, who had all been diagnosed in the last couple of days. Yeah. And they're sitting around this big con- conference table while somebody's trying to explain carb counting. And I, it took me 20 minutes into the class to recognize that I was the only male sitting at the table. The rest were like seven women and their husbands were like standing behind them. 
and I was sitting at the table. My wife was standing behind me, and it hit me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, when we go home, like, I'm a stay-at-home parent. Like, she's going to go back to work. Like, this is, right. this is me. You know, it took me a couple of days to, like, wrap my head around that. And she's like, what would help the most when we got home? And all I could think was, can, can you clean the whole house? Like, make the house, like, back to, like, day one clean so that I can, yeah. igno- so that I can ignore it while I'm trying to. Like, it was an odd thought, but I just, I was like, somebody sim- I need to just simplify my life is what I thought, you know, in the end. And, yeah. and I, it never worked. And I was just scrambled for a really long time. It was, uh, I, I think your mom and dad might have done the right thing, to be perfectly honest. That, that sounds like a really good idea. Yeah. My parents have always been um, really supportive in, in diabetes, even, even though I pushed them away at times, especially in my high school days. Um, but, you know, my mom was always really good at like measuring food and counting carbs. She put notes in my lunch with take this much insulin. And uh, mm. so, so it was, it was really good. I had a really good support system growing up, That's which cool. I, I think is huge for, for anyone with diabetes to, to have a support system, whether they're utilizing it or not, just the knowing that it's there, I think really, really helps. You think so? So like even if somebody's offering you, if somebody's throwing you a rope down a hole and you absolutely will not grab the rope, it's still comforting to know the rope's hanging there and there's somebody up top who's like, I, I yeah, have you there, if you need me. There's a way out if <laughs> if I, I want to take it. But it's all it's all up to, to you. I mean, like my endocrinologist doesn't control what I eat and what I, how much insulin I take. That's all on me. Um, you know, I... I I have to take the tools that are presented to me to, to to actually succeed in managing diabetes. Well, you just if said, I don't use the tools, I, I'm stuck. So, yeah, yeah. You, you just said something where you, I, I wanted to roll back to you for a second. You said even though you kind of pushed your parents away in high school in that age group, like what did that like look like? Like what did pushing them away look like? Do you have a, an example of something that sticks in your head? Well, if the amount of times you guys have clicked on my Omnipod link in the last couple weeks is any indication, you were as excited by my recent episode with Omnipod as I was. As a matter of fact, instead of a regular ad today, I'm just going to read you a note I received through Instagram. I got an opportunity to switch over to the Omnipod for free, and I took it. I was unsure about it at first, but after listening to your podcast and my friend using one for a while, I made the switch. OMG, so much better than my old Medtronic pump. The feeling of not having to worry about tubes or my pump falling off my pants when I go to the bathroom is amazing freedom. I don't know. I've never worn a tubed pump, and so the idea of pulling my pants down to use the bathroom and my pump just tumbling all over the place made me laugh. And I told the person, I'm going to read this as an ad next week on the podcast. So to this person, your note is now an ad. And everyone should go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box or click on the links in your show notes or use the links at juiceboxpodcast.com because when you do, Omnipod will send you out a free, no-obligation demo of their device. That way you can feel it, touch it, hold it, actually wear it, and figure out if it's something that's right for you. myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. No more of your pump falling off while you're trying to pee. What did pushing them away look like? When I got the pump, it was kind of, my mom's not extremely technical, like tech savvy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I started 
pretty much self-managing at that point. Uh, she would help, you know, measure food and count carbs and, you know, do the, 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 the calculation. Yeah. Um, since she was preparing most of the food, it was, it was easy, easier for her to calculate carbs and stuff. But, right, right, um, yeah. but when it came to like the emotional side of diabetes, I didn't really want them in it anymore. Like it was kind of just like, I, I think it may have been because I found peers my own age, like, um, as, as much as caregivers are super helpful and super supportive, they still, they, it's not permanent for them. Like there's eventually they can get away, they can get a break from it. And, um, so, so I think in that age time I was getting kind of angry about how permanent this was going to be mm-hmm. and how on my own I was with it. So like I wanted to figure out how to do it on my own because I knew my parents weren't always going to be there. Um, so, so pushing them away was, is more like creating your own kind of private space where you can figure it out for yourself. Yeah, but probably not doing it in the most positive manner because i was 14 15 16 right. years old <laughs> and, and, yeah and angry too like i mean that that's what you're describing right as anger like you're like well yeah. this is because when you're a kid everything feels like temporary i think like and permanent at the same time it's an interesting way to think like you can't imagine something different but yet your life changes constantly and so you can't imagine that this thing's going to stay with you for, you can't imagine anything's going to stay forever. And at the same time, you can't, it, it's a weird space to be in. Cause you don't have the, uh, the perspective, I guess, that you need to really understand time. Like I remember the first time I signed a car loan, I thought I'm not going to be alive in four years, like four <laughs> years, like seemed like a million years, you, you know? Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I, I, I found it kind of like, telling and like interesting but sad like the idea that you as a as a mid-teen at some point thought oh wow this isn't gonna go away like i'm i've I've got this forever and that that's just got to be i don't know that's got to be incredibly impactful at that age and that that did it spin you out of control a little bit or or how did you handle it um i i don't know the 20s were tough that's where it hit you that I think that's more where it hit me, and and high school is tough because like you're around a bunch of people who can mindlessly eat all the time. Like I can't really mindlessly eat. I can. It just doesn't really bode well. Um, two hours later, like it, it it's just um, I don't know. I I've always I guess kind of had a a detachment in a way from peers because of how aware of life's impermanence i was at a young age um do you just feel which, different like does it yeah it, it gives you that feeling it, it it was different but it was but it's hard but like not different because you know on the surface i look totally normal and healthy and fine so i think that's where diabetes becomes really difficult is that the hidden nature of the illness um because you can almost forget for hours at a time that you have diabetes and not think about it. Right. And then all of a sudden someone says, hey, look, I brought cookies to soccer. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
you know, waving your hands yeah. at your parents, you know, or, or you know, yeah. you're, you're in college and, and, you know, you've had your day planned out so nicely and your blood sugar's really going along with what you want. And then all of a sudden it's three o'clock in the afternoon, everybody's done class. And someone says, we're going to go for pizza. And you're like, oh, I wasn't planning on that. And then it, it, then it puts that whole like thought into your head. Like if I go, what if I, if I mess up the insulin, then my blood sugar is going to be high all night. I got other things to do. I have to study. I have to do this. I'm supposed to go out again. Like it just, it, it flips you right back into that mindset of I have diabetes again. Right. Yeah, it's interesting how it's like it's gone and then it's all of a sudden back. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and it and it everything else pauses while you while you think about diabetes. Right. It takes you out. It takes you out of like the now. Yeah. 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 No. Absolutely. Yeah. For people who say I live in the moment, like the moment gets frozen and yeah. everything stops, and then you're like, I, I said something. Arden the other day we were going into school or something and 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 uh I said, Hey, you know what, you're gonna need to bolus before you get out of the you know, before you you know, now. Like you need to bolus now. And she's like, Oh, I'm gonna be late. And I thought, I don't care. Like I I don't care if you're late, I care if this insulin doesn't go in now. It's it was interesting because in with my other kid, if I needed them anything to do, I'd be like, Get in there before you're late, hurry up. You know, like it's <laughs> it's interesting how you stop yeah. caring about things you care about because there's a precedence scale and diabetes always sort of rolls to the top of that, of that ladder. Yeah. yeah it's something else. Well, cause if my numbers aren't good, it's very hard for me to be present for life either. Yeah. Like, so like if I don't do actions now to correct something that hasn't even happened yet, thanks to CGM technology, mm. but like, like if I don't take action on what I'm seeing on trends, like I, I, it's too late. <laughs> right. When, and then, when, and then when reality the pauses arrives. in a different way when your blood sugar is 190 and you don't feel good. Or, right. right. No, no, no. <laughs> so I think you've just said that diabetes is rather unfair. <laughs> I, um, and, and so do you find, so you listen to the podcast. I, I, I gleaned that from the note you sent me when you asked, you know, that you wanted to be on. Obviously it's the only way you'd want to, you'd know that I was looking for people, but, right. um, and even though you're doing injections, do you still do kind of how we talk here? Like, are you bumping your blood sugar around, not letting it get out of range as much as possible? Because you said you had a CGMs. Yeah, I like what you say about being bold with insulin. I, I feel like there's a lot of, there's two types of diabetics from, from my experience. Mm -hmm. There's the ones that are like super fearful of lows and the ones that are super fearful of the highs. And I'm the latter, like I'm, I don't want to go high ever. So, um, I'm always, my doctor sometimes doesn't like how aggressive I can, uh, treat blood sugars, mm -hmm. but I also have some insulin resistance. So sometimes I have to be a little, um, harder on some of my, uh, corrections. Yeah. Uh, what, what does the stubborn. doctor seem not to like? Um, I don't know. Is it just an um, overall vibe you get? Because Mike, the reason I ask is because so many people contact me privately and say, "Hey, my we got my A one C went way down. I'm so excited to go to my endo. My kid's A one C went way down. I'm so excited." They get to the endo, the, the endo yells at them. And, yeah, the you know, endo says it's too low. Yeah, because the, because the endo can't imagine that they did it properly. I think is why. Yeah. Yeah. But is that what well, you? Is it just an overall and pressure? Without their help. Without um, their help, you think? Do you think it's a little bit of that, like a little bit of the god complex? I think there's a little ego in that. Uh, in in you know, I mean, they spend a lot of time and money getting that degree. Uh, they, <laughs> um, 
they they, they want to have some recognition for for doing well that's, as well. That's but, hilarious. I never even um, considered that. I'm so inside. So more concerned about Lowe's. Like right. like there there's this fear. Like they can get sued if someone has a low overnight and doesn't wake up. Like, but if 20 years down the road, I go blind, have retinopathy injections and all that fun stuff. Like that's just part of diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. They can't be blamed for that. But, um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's what it is, but, uh, they, like they, they don't like how low my A1C is. They don't like how, what is, do would you mind telling me what it is? Uh, I just was tested last week and I was 5.0. Hey, my gosh. Now, and that's without, like, like, do you have a lot of lows in the course of a month? or And what do you call low? I mean, I'm not going to say I don't have lows. Mm. I have diabetes. Yeah, right. Um, um, but a low for me is under 60 is really when I consider it, like, I need action immediately. Most of my lows are pretty gradually dropping down into the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't always trust the Dexcom, um, especially overnight. If I'm running a straight line, it likes to tell me that I'm dropping 10 to 20 points lower. Okay. Um, at least from my experience, Using I don't the G5, know how. G5, G4, what do you got? I got the G5. The 5, okay. But it, it just... I always say this about CGM, like, like, and now Arden's on, we just inserted Arden's third G6 yesterday, last night, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, I'm right with you with the G5. Like if I had a, a real steady blood sugar that went on for hours, I'm like, is that right? Like it's, it just seems unlikely for it to be that stable. You, you, you yeah. know what I mean? That's usually the time when you test. You're like, oh, no, okay. And then you would calibrate. With the new one, you don't, there is no calibrating. So now I'm just, I'm still new at it with the G6. I'm still figuring it out. But now if I see too much stability, I, I just test to see like if I'm where I expect to be or not. And you don't calibrate right. after that. You just kind of kind of keep an eye on it. But it's been really, it's been really different in small ways but that's one of them i have not seen one like three hour line that told me her blood sugar was 105 you, you, yeah. you know what i mean so um but I, I hear what you're saying i really do and, and and six i have to say too arden's low threshold is set at 70 so we know when she gets to 70 but right. and i would do something at 70 if it was going lower i would try to like bump it back up again but I yeah. wouldn't get into that situation where I was like, we have to do something right this second until 60 is my number two. 60 is my, like, we have to do something now. Like, let's stop ignoring this and, yeah. and get to it number. Well, and, and, and I think it's also, um, I think CGM technology really helps to, to allow you to know how quickly it's happening. Mm. Like, so how urgent is it that I eat something right now or can I... You know, yeah. Is this a panic situation, or is this? Yeah, a, like, hey, let am me, I let me get this together. down to there, or am right. I just? You know, did I just dip a little bit? Right. Oh um, no, and I'll see. Sometimes I'll see like a sixty-three that I'm like, let me see, just what happens next time. Like maybe this will kind of go the other way again. And um, yeah. I know, I know. Last night I saw an eighty-five diagonal down right before Arden was going to bed, and I thought, okay, so I shut her basal off, and that ended up being the wrong thing to do. 
Like, had I just wrote it out for another 10 minutes, every, it, it would have bounced again and come, come back up. And yet, I can tell you that from my experience, an 85 diagonal down before bed normally needs something from, for her. Right. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, it was the one time that, you know, trusting that what I knew was going to happen was going to happen bit me in the ass, you, you know, but the other, the, the next 25 times that happens, it's going to be the right thing to do. Right. You know, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, I don't know if you're thinking of the G6 ever, but if you are, the insertion process is incredibly easy. It's fascinatingly that's, simple. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Three times now, and Arden has said each time, not only did she not, did it not hurt, but she said that wasn't like a, a, a big enough explanation of what she didn't feel. She's like, it's just like nothingness. Like, I just don't notice yeah. anything happening. Was, she said to me last night, she goes, how did they do that? And I said, I, I don't know. I said, I guess the, you would imagine they work on it all the time, right? Like trying to make it yeah. better. And she was like, yeah, I'm like, she's like, it really, you can't feel it. And I was like, that's yeah, pretty cool. So, um, and the, it, it's excellent. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think the technology is amazing, but a five, a one C on injections is really, and, and still thinking of 60 is low. Like, so you're not like walking around with your blood sugar 45 going, I don't care. And then ending up with like this this um this low a1c later so you're also stopping spikes and and keeping like highs away so do you find yeah. yourself do you inject multiple times through a meal or do you have it worked out to some sort of magic or do you have a diet that you know how it kind of works what's your plan so yeah it, it, it's a whole slew of factors so uh, to be a little more clear i was uh i've switched to the inhaled insulin Oh, um, okay. Okay. So you're, you're doing, um, I don't know how to say, is it a Frezza or a Frieza? It's a, I'm, I'm pretty sure the company calls it a Frezza, but just about everyone else calls it a Frieza. <laughs> um, so so the inhalable uh, insulin. I switched to that about eight months ago and maybe nine months now. Um, but my last A1C on injections was 5.6. Still, um, you know. So, so yeah. And I look a lot at standard deviation with mm -hmm. my CGM data and that the difference. Uh, uh, so then when I switched to a Fresa, my A1C went down to 4.9. Uh, my standard deviation at the 5.6 was about 40, 45. And then with a Fresa, it's down to about 20. Okay. Um, and so, so, so I will say that, I mean, when it came out, I was like, that seems really amazing. It's the concept of, having my kid huff, like put something in their lungs like that, that throws me off, which is, so what's your um, experience been so far with it? Um, I think it's totally changed insulin. Um, it's taken the, um, like you talk a lot about pre bolusing, which yeah. is what, what I, I had to do to, um, before I ever found sure. the podcast, but when I got the CGM, I could see I, that, I just think CGM is so important for everyone, yeah. pump or not, because you can see how long it takes insulin to start working in your body, mm -hmm. which allows you to decide when is the right time to bolus for the food that you're going to eat. Um, so, um, but with that said, a Frezza starts working so fast that like I start eating and then I'm like, oh yeah, I should take some of this. And then I take it and then. Like it, I, it, it works within three dots on my, um, on my Dexcom to start 
lower, like to start actually lowering my blood sugar. Okay. Um, and whereas it, with Novolog, it was taken almost 50 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's why that's where the pre-bolusing comes in. Cause you're trying to find the right. balance between the time and the, and the food. And so is it in cartridges? Is it, um, a mist when you inhale it? Is it like a powder? Like it, what is it? It's like? a powder. It's a powder. Um, and they're in little little cartridges. They have four unit, eight unit, and twelve unit. Oh, you just cut out. Four, yeah, yeah, twelve units. The, uh, so four, eight, and twelve units. And then, so there's no like partial. Like you take whatever's in this in the cartridge. You can break them open and split them up, um, uh, which I I have done, um, but. The units aren't really comparable. I think one reason the company is struggling is because the units don't match unit for unit to injected. Okay. Um, so it's the so same the way, word, but it's it's meaningless, and there's no comparison really with, with how yeah, you think of it. I, I find a four-unit dose is like my correction dose, and it works as like one unit, maybe one and a half. Okay. Um, whereas the eight units are like a five-unit dose, Okay. maybe six. So. so how do you use inhalable insulin? Like if your blood sugar goes to 130 and it sits there, how do you get your blood sugar back down again? Like you just do the four-unit one and it doesn't go too far? Or how does it work? Yeah, um, I, I, I would take a four-unit dose. Um, it's out of my system in two hours mm-hmm. at, the, at the most. I, I see it pretty much done working in an, an hour and a half. Um, so like I, it, it's hard to stack which okay. is good because I, I as I said I can be a little aggressive with my corrections right, right. Um, so like if I take a dose of the four and inhale that at say 130 it may move it might not mm-hmm. but within 30 minutes I know if that was enough or not and then I can do another correction if I need it I see uh, which is kind of how I injected too. Um, maybe not in thirty minutes, but you know, if if in an hour and a half I was still at the same point, like you were doing something about it again. I I, I needed to to bump bump it a little bit more. So um, what's the real bo- bonus? Is it really cut down spikes or like because you're not getting big numbers at all? So you you you're not spiking. Yeah, much. when when I see it start to curve up, I can take like an eight unit dose and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can see the intensity of a curve and, and stop it. And because its onset is so quick, it can literally, like, it all starts spiking up and then, like, flat lines. <clears throat> and then it might start coming up again and I'll have to take another dose. But, like, it's amazing what it does to, to some of my, my uh, Dexcom lines. Yeah. Like, just it's how it's it almost like the, it literally sound- stops it. When you're talking about it, it makes me like imagine in my head like there's a button that says like, like like a magic button that says like more or insulin. Like do you know what I mean? Like you're like oh yeah. going up button, a little more push, and then it just it's like it's interesting because it's and so and the action time being so quick and yet it the the life being so short makes you feel like you can you can use it every time you need it and you're not worrying about like all this. So you don't ever have a situation where six hours later your blood sugar's 30 and you can't get it to go up. No, that doesn't happen with that. Okay. No. And are you taking a slow import? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm taking Traceba. I just switched to Traceba about 
three months ago, mm-hmm. and it's totally the greatest thing that's ever happened. A lot of people say it's really good. Yeah. yeah, like I have flat lines overnight, which I never had with Lantis or Levamir. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I, I used to ha- struggle with a lot of 4 a.m. lows um, with Lantis, and um, it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, no, I've heard nothing but good things about uh, Traceba for for a while, actually. Um, you know, some people obviously it doesn't work for everybody or something like that. But you know, overall, like the positive vibe from it, I think seems pretty consistent. Yeah. Um, okay, so you are so you're huffing insulin. <laughs> yep. And and is it how about the? I know you've only been doing it for eight months, but. Is there a feeling like, do you feel it in your chest? Like, do you ever feel like a oh, heavy or like, like, I don't know. I have literally no idea. These are just my unfounded fears. Uh, uh no, I've, uh, I've recently gotten into running mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, I've been running some 10 K's and, um, a lot of five K's and, um, I, I, I don't have any issue with breathing. Okay. Um, because of it oh, yeah i, just, uh, I play know, soccer just... a couple day, times a week it's um there there's a lot of fear there uh, and, and reasonably yeah do um, you worry about it like do you say to yourself okay this has only been eight months because there's not much long-term study on it so like do you ever think about that or what's your yeah, mindset around it's it been on the market for almost four years now and um i did smoke when i was in college mm-hmm so I have some concerns about it um, because of that, but at the same time, like there's the trade-off of better control or a fear of something that isn't currently. Like yeah, may or may not I, happen. I, mean, I could also, I mean, I also have fears of losing limbs and. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have other fears going blind, but but that's not happening currently. So, um, but you also if that happens, like yeah, I you would think it's just the price. Yeah, the price of doing business, right? Like it's just what I wanted to. Well, you live in Florida too. You could be carried off by a gator, and then a boa constrictor, and that gator could fight for your carcass. Like I mean, yeah. Well, and there's so many old people and doctors that can handle cancer then <laughs> yeah, if you get no. you're like if i get cancer i'm in florida it's, oh, yeah, it's i'm in the best place for it i'm in absolutely uh, the best place to have cancer uh, <laughs> florida the best place to have cancer you don't ever see that on a sign as you're driving it, it in. should be it should be I'm, I'm. <laughs> that's terrible um okay so Okay, so that's int- I mean that's really interesting. You've been doing it for eight months. You feel you know as you were talking, I realized with a Dexcom, you're wearing a Dexcom CGM and using an inhalable insulin. You you poke yourself once every couple of weeks, really, except for your like. How often do you test your blood sugar? Even I test my blood sugar all the time. Do you? Okay. Yeah. After twenty, like I didn't get a De- Dexcom until I twenty one years of diabetes. Like I. Still haven't turned over full trust to the Dexcom. Right. Yeah. Um, and especially like if I'm, because I try to keep a really tight range, like I try to stay around the mid 80s all day long. So, like, <clears throat> check and make sure you're where you if think I'm you are. If I'm showing, if Dexcom's showing a 70 
and I feel fine, I'm going to test my blood sugar. If Dexcom's showing 100, and, I, as I say, I try to be around it. I correct at like 110. Oh, sure. Um, so if Dexcom's showing 110 and I feel fine and I haven't eaten, I, I'm going to check to make sure it's not. Yeah. No, no. Hey, Mike, listen, uh, Arden's doing standardized testing this week at school. Um, and so, I don't know, 8.30 this morning, she's already in class taking the test, and her blood sugar went to, was sitting at 110, and I was like, I think we're going to do something about this, because I kept imagining, like, anxiety or just dehydration or something like that going yeah. on in that room, right? Um, or just, the you know, ungodly, like, mental anguish. <laughs> and so, I um, when as soon as I, I saw it drift off of 110, I, I bumped it again. And she's right. been 101 for for a while now. So Good. 100, 103, 98, she's been sort of like in that space for about the last, I'd say, two hours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know what would have, had we not bumped it, I don't think she would have gotten much higher based on that it didn't, the that the bolus didn't really take her completely very low. But at the same time, I don't know. Like, I don't know what would have happened because, because there's, there's those moments where you're like, oh, it's only 120, and then all of a sudden it runs to 160, and you're like, oh, I should have done yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, and now all of a sudden you're using extra insulin, and then, you know, two and a half hours later you're low because you, you had to overly be aggressive. And, yeah, I just think it's, I mean, obviously it's what we talk about here all the time, but when you just bump and nudge like that, you just, you give yourself the best chance to not be incredibly high or incredibly low later and, yeah. and I, I i'm a big fan obviously of that and it's going and you well. can totally do that with injections too yeah oh sure yeah. and and, yeah. and and i i think i think we get stuck in the fact like i think there's just a lot of old school approach to diabetes back that that just is stuck from 20 years ago mm -hmm. of you know you take your insulin and you wait and you can't take more insulin until that insulin's done working. And, um, but if you didn't take enough to begin with, like you that's need just more. crazy. Yeah, right. <laughs> it is just crazy. Like it's just so crazy. To wait, yeah. <laughs> to wait four hours before you can take another. Like that's that's insanity. Like let yourself be two fifty for four hours because you didn't take enough insulin to begin with. It's right. it's, um. And and having a CGM, if you took too much, it lets you know before you hit a dangerous point that you can you do something react about it. before or re react before you need to react. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Or you can't react. Either. No, 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 no. I you're, listen. I completely agree with you, and uh, you completely agree with me. It, it's a, it's just <laughs> it's a very very simple idea. Like I mean, going back to what you first said. It's, you know, any number of stupid analogies. Like if you if you need to stop your car and you push the brake halfway down and it doesn't stop, you don't go, well, I've pushed it as far as the guy who taught me to drive told me to push it. So <laughs> let's just see what happens now. I'm going to hit this car in front of me. Oh, well, I've done what I've been told. You don't do that. You push harder. You go, oh, gosh, something undesirable is happening. I need to continue to try. And and it's the same thing with insulin. I You know, I, I counted my carbs. And I put in the insulin, and now my blood sugar is 300. So I'll just wait three and a half hours, four hours, like the doctor told me. I'll see what happens. Now your blood sugar just says high on your Dexcom or on your meter. You're like, well, I'll just keep waiting. Like, 
Why are you waiting? Well, the doctor said that, you know, the doctor was assuming you'd get the bolus right. <laughs> like, you know, like that's, <laughs> the, that's the unspoken part of the conversation that they don't right. really, they don't tell you. And they don't tell you because they don't want you to stack your insulin. They don't want you to get crazy low later. All that stuff, which is what we talked about earlier, which is like don't die today advice. It has nothing to do with you being healthy forever. It's right. just, you know, I don't, a doctor saying, I don't want you to get really low off of something I said to you. That's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, you still have to make the decisions. And I'll tell you, I spoke at something pretty recently. And when I was done, someone came up to me and just started thanking me. And they were like, I watch my kid's blood sugar be high for hours. And I know it shouldn't be like that. But the doctor just keeps telling me to do it. It feels wrong. With every ounce of who this person was, they knew it was wrong. And they couldn't break free of the idea because they were told, don't do that. Um, and... You know, I just told them very clearly that nothing you heard during this talk was advice. And, and, but, but I agree with what you're saying. It is a very strange idea to sit and watch your, your blood sugar be 350, 400 for hours because why? Yeah. You, you know, there's no reason. I, I think we also get hung up on carbs too as like the only influencer on our blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I've switched to a, an extremely low carb diet. Uh, which helps for my standard deviation quite a bit. Um, but I still have to take insulin for protein and like vegetables have some carbs in them, but like, um, but it's amazing how much like I was never told that protein can affect my blood sugar or fat, like how much fat slow down digestion so right. that like if I pre like if I pre bolus too aggressively for say pizza you know you can end up really why am low. i going low an hour after eating pizza and then i'm high for <laughs> four hours afterwards if you're yeah, lucky right uh, and but, scared but to do anything about it because you were just low and you put all that insulin right nah. um so so that's a again the the dexcom is or any cgm in general is is going to be helpful because you can actually see the bigger picture yeah no, like I know you, you might just sound you, like a marketing campaign test, there. <laughs> you used to test people or you used to test Arden at like an hour after eating and right. like doctors would be like, why are you doing that? It's like, cause I want to see the whole picture, yeah. like, which is like totally. Does that make sense? Um, <laughs> and it's, it's totally changing how to approach diabetes and, um, how doctors are teaching to approach diabetes hasn't picked up on that yet. It's so experience. incredibly behind. Um, there was, it, it's fascinating. Like I, I had someone so close to who's in medical school to be an endo, so close to having them come on the podcast and not give their name and just talk about how kind of archaic things still seem to be um, about what they're being taught. And then, then they, for reasons that I completely understood, didn't, couldn't, couldn't in, do it. You know, they, they were right. afraid for themselves. And uh, I understand. But at the same time, I really do think that about like, like I use the pipe, use the podcast as an example in my mind, like you are a person who I'm thrilled you found the podcast. I think whatever you got out of it has been really valuable for you. And it's what I intended. But this is just going to happen over and over and over again ad nauseum forever. If people keep churning out new diabetics who think things like, Count my carbs, put in the insulin, wait four hours. Like that kind of thing. Like in, until this 
becomes the norm for how people talk about it at the diagnosis side, it's not going to change. And it's tough because you're fighting. I was in a room with a lot of people who have diabetes this weekend. And um, I guess by the time your episode goes up, it'll be a long time ago. But I was at a, uh, a blogger summit put on by Novo Nordisk. And it was mainly wrapped around insulin pricing. But what I saw when I was in the room is there were some people in there who had diabetes for 40 years. And no matter what, they, they're using the new technology. They understand things exactly the way you understand them. But when they stop to talk about it, everything they talk about is they're scared. Like somebody made them scared 40 years ago and they're still, it's their default right now today. And so until generations of scared people, you know, I hate to talk about like this, but move through the disease and, and stop being impactful in the space, you're still going to always be fighting with these ideas. Like, well, you know, give yourself more insulin if your blood sugar's high. Well, you have to be careful. Well, why do you have to be careful? Using a Dexcom, that's care. Isn't that being careful? Like you have a CGM on. Is I would say that's being careful. Um, if you, you know, look at it. Yeah, 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 right. Pay attention to it. You have <laughs> insulin that works incredibly uh, more efficiently than the insulin that you were using when you were eight years old, 40 years ago, and, and, and scared. Um, yeah. It's a different world. You're applying old rules to a completely new game. They they almost don't having diabetes with a CGM and an insulin pump has nothing. It it almost has no relationship to having diabetes on MPH and regular. Like they're almost a a completely different thing. Um, You know, besides the fact that your blood sugar can get high and your blood sugar can get low. I mean, other than that, every, the process is completely, it's completely changed. Yeah. But you know, good luck having that conversation in front of somebody who, has rightfully been scared most of their life about something and can't shake that feeling. You you know what I mean? Like that's the human piece of it and why the teaching won't change more quickly because people are still, listen, I said to Sean Busby two weeks ago, I don't go in the ocean because I can't get eaten by a shark in the ocean. Where does that come from? Well, when I was five, my parents let me see jaws. What a bad idea that was. (laughs) Right. Right. Like, so, I, I, and I've, listen, I go in the ocean, don't get me wrong. But, but my point is, is that when I'm in there, there's part of me is like, this is how I die. you like, like, yeah. right? like this is, and it's just some long lasting childish fear that's rooted, rooted in nothing. Sometimes I think you guys will think I'm just making this stuff up, but I'm not. 10 minutes ago while I was editing, Arden texted me from school out of nowhere. 8.45 in the morning. I'm going down to the cafeteria to get a muffin. This high school, they just let the kids be too free. You know what I mean? Back in the day, you sat in your class. Today, it's, hey, I have a minute. Can I go get a muffin? So, okay. I say, how big's the muffin? I don't know. It's big. I said, okay. Well, bowl us a half a unit now. Go get the muffin. Text me again when you know which one you have. I start getting the, hello, I'm here. I have the muffin. Blah, blah, blah. I said, I, I, I don't know what to do. Is it, you know, I don't know. Like, I can't see it. I don't, she's not like texting. It's a, you know, it appears to be a blueberry muffin with about 45 grams of carbs. It's just a muffin she's grabbing off a tray. So I looked at her blood sugar, which by the way, was 102 and steady. And I said, all right, let's just give it a whirl here. Let's do five units in total. So we've already done a half a unit, do four and a half more. Do you think you're going to eat the whole muffin? She said, yeah. 
she's going to eat the muffin. If she doesn't, we'll make an adjustment. But this kind of like, woo, free and fluid kind of feeling you're hearing from us, it comes from the data we get back from Arden's Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. We are going to do a muffin unexpectedly on the fly using that data. And whether you're the parent of a child with type 1 or you have type 1 yourself, you could handle a muffin the same exact way. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box to get started today. You will not be disappointed. Free and easy muffins. Think about it. I'm excited for a changeover. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm, I'm just excited to, to see Dr. Well, I see a lot of doctors just be like, oh, you're struggling to have control of your diabetes. Here, take an, get an insulin pump. And, and that's not really going to fix it. <laughs> you still have um, to understand how the insulin works and when to, to push the buttons. How it <laughs> and the, the tools in the, like, the, the different plays that you can do with basal rates. And, you know, you know, there's a lot of tools within a pump that if you don't understand, like, and I think that's why a lot of doctors used to be resistant to putting patients immediately on a pump because, mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of the patients that immediately go on a pump don't really recognize how many great op- things there are to do with the pump. That, um, so they're just stuck basically doing MDI with a pump with a basal rate and they just take insulin when they eat. Yeah, all their pump did was like t- cut down on their injections. But they're and not it getting made them excited to test their blood sugar a little bit more. <laughs> I, I, I was talking to somebody again this weekend about that and they you know not understanding so many aspects of what their pump does. And I realized I was like, Oh my gosh, this would be like if I made you the quarterback of a football team, you had never seen a football game before, and I explained to you that football is uh, the man in front of you hands you the ball between his legs, you turn around to the man behind you, hand it to him, and he'll run and see how far he can get. And then, like, 20 years later, I go, you know, you could throw the ball, too. And you'd be like, oh, my God, why didn't you say that before? <laughs> like, like, it really is, like, this sort of, I don't know. I, you know, I've, I put it a million different ways. And I, I've outright said to Omnipod, I've been in the room with them. I said, look, I know that you're, they're stuck. They can't teach. It's funny. They sell this product they can't teach too much about because their FDA approval doesn't allow for them to say certain things. Right. I was like, but you have a, you know, you have this, this rocket launcher and you've so far taught people how to like kill flies with it for some reason. Like, like, like it's not a fly swatter. It does so much more. It has so much more. It, there's so much more to it. And they can't really come out and talk about it because they're, right. they're limited by, by the FDA about what they can say that their product does. Because the minute they tell you it does something, hey, you can set up an extended bolus. And then you set up an extended bolus and it doesn't work for you, they're screwed. Yeah. So they so they can't say anything. You, you know, yeah. it's a, a an interesting world we we live in around the diet about around this stuff. It's funny too, it came up this weekend we were talking. Mike, why is the phone ringing? Nobody calls here. Let's see what it's gonna be. Hold on a second. I'm gonna go Big Brothers, Big Sisters is yeah, I don't know. My phone. We all have the same phone in the world now. Have you noticed that? It's down to like two home phones you can buy at Best Buy. The I, I didn't know that people still had home phones. Did you? don't even want my like, <laughs> like, listen, I'm running from alligators. I don't have time for phone calls. Um, well, actually, oh. I think Florida has the most flip phones per capita than um, any state. <laughs> 
<laughs> There's still the flip phone going on because. <laughs> what is this? Hold on. Let's listen, Mike. Baby boomers don't need, don't want smartphones. I'm being offered something at no cost if I push one. Oh, I could have opted out. I would have definitely opted out had I known. Um, maybe baby boomers. There's a guy I know right now is in his late fifties. He has a flip phone. He seems completely happy with it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It might be. It might be. The way to go. Refreshing to to get a like like a pump vacation. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> a phone vacation. Um, well, I'm sorry. I was going to say that while we were, we were together in the room, uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, what everyone, you know, what people do. Some people had blogs and, you know, I, I said, I have a podcast and, and a guy across the room who I know really well said, you know, how valuable the podcast had been for him at some point. But somebody says to me, uh, well, you have to be careful, you know? And I was like, well, you know, of course, you know, I mean, I don't run around like, something doesn't work one time in my life. And I'm like, Hey guys, new way to handle diabetes stuff. Like if you hear me saying something here, I've been doing it for six months, for a year, for longer. Like I've a, a ton of confidence that I can uh, share my experience with you. And my experience has been very consistent. Um, and I said, yeah, of course. But you know, and then, and then the fear came in. It's all about fear. Like everything. I'm like, Oh my God, even you on this side of it is, are scared. Like you're a person who people look to for, for their experiences. And you're telling me yeah. you're holding back things too. I mean, how valuable is that really? If you're only going to say part of what you think, because yeah. then it leaves everybody to fill in the holes themselves and they're blind. They don't know what pieces to use to fill in the holes. Just like with the doctor, Hey, take the insulin, wait this many hours, take it again. Well, yeah, but right. there feels like there's gaps. No, no, there's no gaps. I mean, none, none that I'm comfortable telling you about at least. It's just like, you know, what are you doing? Like either help, be helpful or don't be helpful. Don't be partially helpful. Seems yeah. odd to me, but I don't know. And I think everyone should have a CGM. I think doctors are so quick to say, oh, a pump gives more better control, but really more data gives you the ability to have better control. Yeah, an so, understanding of what's happening. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. Just, just having a tool to give you the same insulin in smaller quantities like, like, yeah, that's great, especially for children that have, like, 0.2 units will totally make or break life for them, like, for small children. For me, point, a half a unit isn't really going to... It's meaningless, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's trivial at that point, but... Um, well, I think, I think you're right. I think that, I think if you put me in the very false situation where I had to choose one... And I had to move forward with just one, I would be able to make a very strong case for just having the Dexcom. Um, yeah. But if you put me in a more real situation where I could explain to someone how to use their pump in a in a in a very like impactful way, then I would tell you, oh gosh, I mean, can we just make up a new scenario? Because I don't want to give one of these away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah. let's make up a new made up scenario where. I get to keep both of them and, and, and let me tell you how to do that thing. Like, you know, I mean, listen, yesterday it's completely, it's an incredibly complex afternoon for Arden yesterday, a day in general. She goes into school, she does four solid hours of standardized testing. So jammed in a room for four hours, the anxiety hit her in the beginning. We were able to, with a temp basal, stop that from being a problem. 
um, Arden tests in the room with everyone else. So even though this has nothing to do with this episode, no one will ever hear this. I'm really very, very proud of is pulled aside by a, an administrator the other day who said that because of how I pushed to allow Arden to have contact with me about her diabetes while she was doing standardized testing without making her leave the room with everybody else. She said it is now possible for children in New Jersey to do what Arden's doing. And she's like, I swear to you, she goes, I'm not the woman's like, I, I, you know, I don't spend a lot of time telling parents that they've changed the system. She's like, but you, you did. She's like, there's possibilities that exist now that have never existed before for how kids can take standardized testing in New Jersey, which was really cool. So Arden's- I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I, I, I grew up in New Jersey okay. and I, I didn't, I took standardized testing with everyone else. Well, you did it before <laughs> cell phones. So now the state is very concerned that my 13 year old will be very worried about a math equation so much so that she'll go on the internet and cheat about it or take a picture of it and share it with somebody else. Um, so Arden had been relegated to an office with a teacher she never met before. So when it was time for testing, Arden had to walk down to guidance or to a a conference room, sit down by herself in the room for four hours with another person in there who proxied the test for her. And that person sat there and stared at her and had, and, and, and if she had to stop for her diabetes related, it should they stop the clock? There was all this stuff that happened. The first thing I was able to do was to talk them into, okay, look, let the proxy hold Arden's phone. I'll, I'll waive my rights to HIPAA. I don't care what you hear about Arden's diabetes. So if I text her and I say, hey, you need insulin or hey, drink a juice, the, the proxy can then stop the clock real quick, hand the phone to Arden, watch her use the phone, do her diabetes, then get right back to the test. And ha- instead of having to take these big breaks and all this stuff, okay. which, which was really cool. Yeah. But about two years ago, two and a half years ago, Arden came to me and she's like, I hate going to a room by myself to take those tests. I just want to stay in the room with everybody else. So I began the process of telling them, look, why can't we just continue to do what we're doing? But she's in the room with everybody else. And, you know, all the standard BS came up. Well, things beep and that's not fair to other kids. And I'm like, I don't care. And it's not fair that my kid has diabetes. So what are we talking about exactly? Like, it's fine. These kids are all have been in class with her for years. No one's I've never once gotten a note from someone. uh, Dear Scott, uh, your daughter's beeping is causing my son to have a low grade (laughs) in math. Like this has (laughs) never happened. You know what I mean? Like it's another one of these false flag things that people worry about because they're their little brains make up a problem before they even know if there's a problem. They hear something. Right. This is their knee-jerk reaction to it. We're human. We're, we're, we're wired to believe that what we think is right. And like, see, this is going to be a problem. Like, hey, we haven't even tried it yet. How do you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, so I got them to go to the state. We had to petition the state. We had to, like, write these letters and do all this junk that was not fun. Um and finally, that's how it works now. So right now, Arden's in standardized testing. She'll be down a little bit. And her, awesome. and her phone is with the proxy. And so I was able to bump Arden's blood sugar this morning via the proxy, basically. So the test wow. never stopped. Arden didn't have to do anything. Uh, she didn't have to leave the room. She doesn't have to be trapped in a concrete box by herself with like some weird teacher that they don't let near kids usually you, you, you don't even like, like none of that had to happen you know i hope no one ever yeah. listens to this i'm sure it's not a weird teacher but um but you know what actually it ends up being usually is your gym teachers they get stuck proxying the tests which uh, is, okay you know um and so all that stuff is 
it's just incredibly important to keeping her blood sugar stable. So we were able to keep her blood sugar stable all the way through the testing yesterday. She went right into lunch where we were still able to pre-bolus. Everything went good. Then it was supposed to rain here yesterday. I was planning on the rain very, 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 very closely, Mike. And then it didn't. So all of a sudden, Arden had to play a softball game after school. So we do all the lead up to the softball, like change her basal rates, like get everything and kind of like, you know, do some temp basal rates, get her where she's going, tell her to start hydrating a little more. She gets to the field and she says, I get a text. I'm just DHing today. I'm not playing in the field. So now most of the things that we set up about her insulin are now wrong. Oh. And so like I so I'm like, all right, we'll cancel this temp basil, do this, like do that, you know, bolus here a little bit. She does all that. Then the worst thing happens. The worst thing happens. She's sitting on the bench with the girls who usually don't play. Turns out those girls get bored. So they bring snacks with them. So so Arden's like, uh, I have a giant sugar cookie with icing here. Can I have this? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, what am I going to tell her? Let's pre-ball us. Wait till the third inning to start eating it. Like, I couldn't do that. So I doubled her basil. Her bowl, I doubled her basil for an hour and I over the cookie. Like I looked at the cookie, you know, I knew what kind of cookie it was and I have to look at it. And I thought that cookie's three units. But I gave her almost five instead because there was no pre-bolus. Like I, I knew she was going to, her blood sugar was going to try to jump up. And if I could put enough insulin in there, I could probably stop at around 150 and like hold the spike back until the spike stopped trying and the rest of the insulin could pull it off. It, it almost worked. Like it, she went to 170. But, okay. and then she came back down again, which was ter- like not would not have had to have happened if it wasn't in that situation. But what I thought about it in that moment was my daughter got to hang out on that bench with all those other girls and like eat like sugared up like sugar cookies. And she didn't think anything of it and it didn't change how she played. So I thought, you know, no, no crash from taking the extra insulin either. No, 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 no. Because I don't think because it's not really extra insulin. You're just preconceiving what a spike and then bolusing for it up front. Well, and there's so much insulin resistance once you get over a certain number, mm-hmm. like which doctors also leave out is how, you know, when I'm 150, a correction is much different than when I'm 250. Of course. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the, the ratio does not stay the same as I get higher. Like I, yeah. I, I need significantly more to, to bump that down. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's why I use temp basils to bring high blood sugars down when they used to happen more, I would be like, okay, more basil and bolus at the same time to try to, you know, because you need more insulin. Now your blood sugar's higher and you have this resistance all of a sudden. No, actually she didn't, not only was it not too much, but coming home from the game, we bolused again. Okay. Yeah. Because it, it hit that 170 peak and it sat and then it started to drift, but I didn't love the drift. It didn't feel fast enough to me. Yeah, And I had food in the oven that I knew was going to be ready in a certain amount of time. So I basically started pre-bolusing dinner on the ride home from the school, knowing that she was still a little high. The food was going to be ready in about a half an hour. Like, it was just a lot of yeah. that stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, but it works. It works really well. So yeah, just all timing and amount, to be perfectly honest. It's, 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 it sounds incredibly... Um, I think it sounds incredibly difficult, but it really isn't. Like once you're doing it, it all sort of like everything I just described again is blown out long form, but it it, it encompassed about three minutes of my entire attention over two hours. Yeah, it it becomes 
second nature. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're basically doing what it's overwhelming to think about that you're we're we're doing all these actions that our body should naturally do on its own, mm. like without thought. Um, but it becomes how we stay alive. So it becomes our own natural instinctual way that we <laughs> handle life as yeah oh, and, and i'm sure it's not lens. and i'm sure it's not the same for everybody i'm sure the anxiety of it maybe sticks to some people differently than others like i'm not saying that i'm saying for me i don't think about it that often you, you yeah. know like i i have i don't stare at arden's blood sugar while she's at school i have pretty tight tolerances set up i'll find out if she goes outside of it you know like right. I, i'm not gonna bother wondering you know, is she 85 right now or is she 100? Like, I don't care. Either is fine. Whatever. You, you, you know, like, I prefer if it was 85 to be perfectly honest. How, how, how's the trend? Is there going to be a transition to where she starts making more of the decisions or is that? Yeah, I, you um, know, I talk about it a lot in, when people ask because it is a really, it not only is an interesting question from your perspective, it's an interesting question from my perspective. You know, like, yeah. I wonder the same thing. Like, is there going to be a moment where she's just like, oh, go to hell. I'm not doing this like this. You know, I, but I don't know. All I can tell you is that we slowly hand off knowledge yeah. that she understands a little better every day and that there is clearly going to be a time in these next couple of years through here, I'm assuming before she's 16, where she's really not going to want people to be as involved. And when yeah. she gets to that spot, that's when we have more serious conversations about, okay, well, then here are the things you need to understand on your own then, you know, on your own. And you could always reach back to me and ask, but bigger ideas. Um, yeah. I did have one of those conversations with her a few weeks ago. Um, and I think I talked about it on here at some point. It was about uh, pre-bolsing, and I was uh, just busy one morning and she and my wife, there was confusion on my wife's side. My wife I thought her blood sugar was lower than it was. And, you know, my daughter's like asks for pancakes. And I said to her, I'm like, you know, you have to pre-bolus pancakes. She's like, yeah. I'm like, why didn't you? And she said, well, mom said, I'm like, yeah, but at, there's got to be a point where you hear something you know is wrong and say, hey, I don't care who you are. Listen to me. That's not right. I can't eat pancakes yeah. without pre-bolusing. Like, you know, why are you saying that? Let's figure this out. And, and we had a really serious, like, 20-minute conversation about it. And that, I think, grows her understanding a little more. But I am just not the person. I am not going to sit my kid down in a room on a sofa for three hours explaining diabetes to her and go, okay, do you understand now? Like, I just yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. Well, and you also, like, the relationship with, I mean, I don't have kids, but I, I was a kid. And, like, if every conversation I had ever had with my was about diabetes like You'd be mortified would make me really hate diabetes and like <laughs> and like, your parents I really start to not enjoy the relationship with my parents and right i've been um working as a youth ambassador a coordinator for the youth ambassador program down here in the there in sarasota's for jdrf jdrf okay yeah and um and so I, I meet with some of the kids and meet with some of the parents and and i think that's a common thing that that seems to to arise in the teenage years with with some of these parents is the kid finally snaps and says like the only thing the only time you ever reach out to me is 
when you see something on my Dexcom. Like, right. Yeah, it's a horrible feeling. Do you, do you like? I'm and, diabetes, and, and, and I have the same problem sometimes too with uh, with parents. It's just like we talk like things that we like in life because mm-hmm. life's not about diabetes. Treating diabetes as well is how I live life. Um, or how I give myself the opportunity to live and enjoy life. So, um, but finding balance in that is never easy. Yeah. No, no, please. It's a simplistic question to a very complicated problem. How am I going to hand off what I learned about type one diabetes to my kid? And in my mind, I treat it the way I treat everything else. How am I going to hand off what I know about being a decent person to my child? What am I going to hand off about hard work and dedication and perseverance? And wh- right. how, do you, how do you hand those things off to your kid? And the truth is, we all are not very successful at it. Like, not everybody's successful at it. I know some really wonderful people have some really terrible kids. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how did they not, how were they not able to translate a little bit of who they were into that monster? And they weren't, or vice versa, the terrible people who their kids end up great. And you're like, how'd that happen? You you know, like, like, how did that like wonderful person come out of that storm of disaster? And, and so I can tell you this, Mike, when you have kids, it is everyone's intention to the best of their ability to have a child who is successful and happy and et cetera. And we all have different levels of accomplishing that. And it's funny because parenting's an interesting thing. It's um, you make a decision without knowing if that decision's going to bear fruit or if it's going to be a horror. And the best you can do is take what you think is the best thing to do, put it into action and see what happens. And maybe if you're smart enough to adjust when your ideas don't do the best all the time. That's great. But most people just go with what their gut tells them as they're parenting along. Um, It's the best you can do. You you know, I mean, you can read a book, you can talk to a friend, you can find out how other people do things. But in the end, something arises, your best intention pops into your head, your best idea pops into your head, and you put it into action, you see what happens. My son got a detention for being late. It's the end of the school year, and he's a senior. And he told me, I'm not going to detention. He's never had one before his whole life. He goes, I was late four times this year. This is stupid. I was like, well, aren't you going to get in trouble? He's like, it's the end of the year. Uh, By the time they figure it out, I'll graduate. And you know what I said to him? uh, What I should have said to him was, no, you were late. Go to detention. What I said is, okay, good luck. I hope that works out for you. Here's the one thing I'll tell you. You can't get in more trouble. So work this out any way you want to, but you can't get in more trouble. If you get in more trouble than just this detention, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get involved. And then you're going to have a problem with me. And so, because I want him to try it. Like, it's a very meaningless thing over the course of his life. Like, whether or not he goes to detention or not as a senior. Like, let him try to negotiate it and see what happens. Let him get in trouble and find out what happens. That reminds me of my, uh, my senior year of high school. I was, I was in AP physics. And the AP tests are, like, in April. Okay. Or, you know, like the right early now. May. The, yeah. so, so, but we had all these labs built into the schedule that we weren't using anymore because we had taken the AP test, but my teacher didn't really care anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're the, we're the AP like, like nerds in physics class. And so we left campus and went down and got uh, breakfast sandwiches. And the only door to get back in that was unlocked was the front door. And as we walked in, it was 
our our principal was like walking out of the office and saw us all. Right. And so the whole AP physics class got detention. (laughs) (laughs) We went to get breakfast. Most dedicated kids in the school probably. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, none of us had ever been to detention before. Of of course. And I kind of said the same thing to my parents and they're like, go like you'll, you'll have detention. Like it's no, yeah. no big deal. It won't end and, your and life. We all, we all did no like, math homework together. I once brought, <laughs> I once had a pizza delivered to detention. I'm going to tell you, uh, so I'm obviously older than you. So my senior year of high school would have been 89 and there was no, like you could not leave the campus. Like you just couldn't, but I drove to school and one day I was like, I really want to go out to lunch. So it wasn't like now, like my son has to like key card in uh, the school and all this stuff. I walked out the back door. I wandered into the parking lot I got my car and I drove away and I had lunch. I came back in, I parked my car and I went back in and I went to class. I was never, I wasn't late. I didn't miss anything, you know, but it was completely against the rules. A number of hours later, um, I'm in a class and the phone rings and the guy says to me, Hey, you have to go see the, the principal, but the one who's in charge of like, you know, bad stuff not the happy principal the principal is in charge of getting you in trouble for things so i assumed i knew what this was about i went down to the principal's office knocked on the door went in sat down i said hello how are you and he's like good uh listen your truck was seen leaving the school premises at 12 o'clock and without missing a beat mike i went my truck got stolen (laughs) and he looks at me and he goes no it came back about 45 minutes later. And I said, someone stole my truck and brought it back 45 minutes later. I'm like, that's really lucky. And he stared at me blank and I stared at him blank. And I was like, you think I'm going to admit to this right now? Like, what is this? What what are you? uh, What am I an idiot? I'm I'm almost 18 years old. I'm like, I'm not just going to like be like, Oh no, you caught me. I'm like, let me see where this goes. So we look at each other for a long minute. He goes, you're not going to, and I just looked back and he's fumfering for words. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't have a sentence and he goes, your truck left and it came back. You were in it. And I went, no, I wasn't. And he goes, okay, go back to class. And I went, actually, I'm going to need a pass to go out to check my truck to make sure nothing's been stolen. <laughs> then I spent the next 20 minutes in my truck listening to the Guns N' Roses album because <laughs> screw him. That's why. Like, like yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and, so, and I had a pass now. Like, I was out in the parking lot. It was a nice warm day. And I just realized, like, as I look back on my life, that moment is more helpful to me than had I not screwed around, got caught, figured out my way out of it. Like, that whole thing. Like, it's just a stupid story. But it's... But it, it really is important to, to go through things. So yeah. it's my belief that when Arden's ready, her blood sugar is going to get messed up. And it's going to take her a while to figure out how to do it. And with any luck, she'll lean on me and I'll be able to pass on the things that I understand further and she'll get to them. But the truth of the matter is, is that the secret that every parent of a kid with type 1 diabetes wants to know the answer to, there is no answer to like, how do I transition them into being an adult? It's not a fixable solution. It's just you you got to roll with it. You got to do the right thing. Yeah. Sometimes you yell at your kid for getting attention. Sometimes you tell them, hey, you know, see what see what happens. And I think this is, I think of this in the very, very same way. But, uh, Mike, we've been on way too long. Yeah. So um, you must have a life to get back to, I mean, I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I'm, I just took 
took a long break at work. But. <laughs> um, let me let me say thank you very much. I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, I don't know if we know if it's a Frezza or a Freezy, but we'll never really know, I guess. Huge thanks to Mike for coming on and sharing his story with us. Thank you also to Dexcom, makers of the G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor and Omnipod, the makers of the only tubeless insulin pump in the world. You will love them both. Check out the links in the show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more. Now listen, I know I didn't give you a brand new episode on the first Tuesday of January because it was like the first or the second. I was like, "Ah, everybody's going to be, they don't care. So I waited till the next week and I gave you an extra long episode. See what I did there? Extra minutes. Hey, how'd you like a little update about Mike? I spoke with him by email. He said he's still using a Frieza. And a lot has happened to him since we recorded this podcast. Most interestingly, he's taken up endurance sports and running, like ultra marathons, 30-mile races, backpacked over 300 miles this year, and he's planning on through-hiking the 2,200 miles of the Appalachian Trail this summer. All right, Happy New Year. I'm excited to get 2019 underway. Don't forget, Chris Rudin's going to be on the Titan Games this week. I think it's Thursday on NBC. Check him out. Have a great week. I'll see you next time.